Tracy McCauley. And I'm Liz Zuleika. We are cardiology pharmacists, educators, and self-declared literature crusaders. And welcome to CardioScript, a cardiology podcast brought to you in collaboration with the ACCP Cardiology Practice and Research Network. On this episode of CardioScripts, Liz will interview Dr. Karen McConnell about chlorothaladone versus hydrochlorothiazide in the management of hypertension. We hope you enjoy. Today on Cardioscripts, I am joined by Dr. Karen McConnell to talk about a recent trial that came out in JAMA Internal Medicine just last month, looking at outcomes in comparison of chlorothaladone to hydrochlorothiazide. Before we jump into the trial, I just want to take a minute to introduce Dr. McConnell. So Dr. McConnell received her PharmD degree at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and then completed her pharmacy practice PGY-1 residency at Cox Medical Center in Springfield, Missouri. She then completed her specialty residency at Kaiser in Colorado. She worked as a clinical pharmacy specialist in cardiology in an ambulatory care cardiology clinic for several years and serves currently as the System Director of Clinical Pharmacy Services at Common Spirit Health, which is the largest not-for-profit system in the country. So Dr. McConnell is very busy, and we sincerely appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us on CardioScripts today. Awesome. Thank you for having me. The title of the trial we're talking about today is a comparison of cardiovascular and safety outcomes of chlorothaladone and hydrochlorothiazide to treat hypertension. So this was looking at chlorothaladone, which is a thiazide type diuretic, and hydrochlorothiazide, which is a thiazide diuretic. And these are both options for the treatment of hypertension, but the recent 2017 ACC AHA guidelines recommend the use of chlorothaladone preferentially over hydrochlorothiazide. Part of this, it's cited to being because of its longer half-life. So chlorothaladone has a half-life of about 40 hours, versus hydrochlorothiazide with a half-life of somewhere between six to 15 hours. And chlorothaladone also has a proven trial reduction of cardiovascular disease. Now there's currently a VA study that's underway, uh, this large randomized controlled trial comparing chlorothaladone to hydrochlorothiazide. But really most available data currently is either observational or meta-analyses. This study came out to assess, again, if there was a difference in outcomes between chlorothaladone and hydrochlorothiazide. This was an observational comparative cohort study that included three databases, Optum, Panther, and MarketScan Commercial Claims and Encounters, which I'll refer to as CCAE throughout the rest of the episode. Patients were included if they were being initiated on an antihypertensive agent with chlorothaladone or hydrochlorothiazide, and if they had a prior or concurrent diagnosis of hypertension. Patients were excluded if they had prior exposure to any antihypertensive therapies or those who were initiating another antihypertensive agent within seven days after starting chlorothaladone or hydrochlorothiazide. Importantly, patients remained in the cohort if they were started on another antihypertensive treatment outside of the initial seven days. The primary outcomes were hospitalization for acute myocardial infarction, heart failure, ischemic or hemorrhagic stroke, and a composite cardiovascular disease outcome, which included acute MI, heart failure, and stroke, 
as well as sudden cardiac death. They use propensity scoring to balance cohorts and a propensity score and covariate balance metrics to assess the success of confounding controls. They included a total of about 37,000 patients who were on chlorthalidone and a little under 700,000 patients on hydrochlorothiazide. In terms of baseline characteristics, um, we'll talk about what was presented from the CCAE database. The mean age was about 48 years, about 61% were female, 5% with diabetes, about 25% with hyperlipidemia, about 10% obese, 0.5% with renal impairment, 0.8% with cerebrovascular disease, about 1% with coronary arteriosclerosis, 6% with heart disease, and 0.8% with ischemic heart disease. Across the, the three databases, uh, really nobody was on a RAS agent, a calcium channel blocker, or a diuretic. About 0.5 to 2% of patients were on a beta blocker. About 22 to 30% were using anti-inflammatory and anti-rheumatic products. About 3 to 6% were using drugs for diabetes. About 14 to 19% were taking some sort of lipid-modifying agent. And about 2 to 17% were on antithrombotics. Now, in terms of the primary outcome, across the board, they did not find a difference between chlorthalidone or hydrochlorothiazide. They also performed a post-hoc analysis with a risk period that started 91 days after drug exposure, and they also did not find a difference between arms um, in that post-hoc analysis. In terms of safety, though, uh, they did find some differences. They did find a statistically significant increase in hypokalemia for those who were on chlorothalidone versus hydrochlorothiazide, and they also found an increased incidence of hypomagnesemia, hyponatremia, acute renal failure, chronic kidney disease, and type 2 diabetes for those who are on chlorothalidone versus hydrochlorothiazide. So Karen, after hearing all of this, what are your overall thoughts about this trial? Well, I think the trial is quite interesting because traditionally we have really favored chlorothalidone um, as a cardiology community, um, not only in the hypertension guidelines, but even previous to that, as we evaluated the available evidence, chlorthalidone really has strong evidence in a prospective trial, as we all know dearly as all-hat. And in all-hat, it was shown to be superior in some of the outcomes compared to lisinopril and amlodipine. And so because we have that prospective very large trial that includes chlorthalidone, and we don't really have a prospective trial um, with hydrochlorothiazide, that shows those cardiovascular outcomes. That's the main reason why traditionally we've favored chlorthalidone. However, hydrochlorothiazide does have its positives. Um, it's available as a com combination medication um, with many other antihypertensive medications. And it's one of the most widely prescribed antihypertensive medications in America. And it makes it quite easy to use and it's very inexpensive. Although chlorthalidone isn't that expensive anymore um, either. And so when you review this study, the first thing that you want to pop into your head is say, wait, no, 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 they're not the same. Chlorthalidone definitely is better than hydrochlorothiazide. And we have the prospective information to show it. However, as you alluded to, we, there is no head-to-head -head trial that looks at hydrochlorothiazide and chlorthalidone. And because we don't have that information yet, um, I think we definitely have to take the results that we've seen in this study seriously. And um, one of the things that really popped out to me 
is the likelihood that this patient population was less sick and probably didn't have as much cardiovascular disease as many of the trials that have evaluated orthalidone in the past. Um, and that's because, as you alluded to, most of these patients weren't on antihypertensive medications previously, and so they likely had milder disease. And so really what this trial is telling me is that perhaps we don't have to be so stringent on making sure that for patients that need a thiazide diuretic, that they're absolutely put on chlorothalidone, that perhaps for these patients that aren't so sick, that hydrochlorothiazide um, may be a good option for them. And we won't truly know who is better, quote unquote, until we have the results of that head-to-head -head trial. I would just add, this study did not um, account for differences in baseline blood pressure. And so because chlorothalidone is more potent, it is possible that it brought down blood pressure, you know, more quickly. And so that could be why they're seeing similar outcomes because the delta in the blood pressure change was not measured. And so that could be masking some of the benefit of chlorothalidone. When we think about just the setup of this trial being observational, getting all of this from these large databases, how much do we take away and really apply to practice? So I think it's important that we do take these types of trials and, you know, with some importance because they're very large and it's real world data and it's information that we could not otherwise get. You know, it is the largest database study that we've seen to date. And so because that information is now available, I think we have to assess it because having prospective trials for every single medication, especially for these that are older, um, really would be a luxury for us. And we're just lucky that the VA is doing that head-to-head -head trial um, because I think many times those types of wants and needs go unfulfilled. And because they did the propensity score matching and they were very sophisticated with their statistics, I think it is something that we need to take into account. And then Karen, what are your thoughts on the side effect differences that were observed? So the good news is that that's no new information um, and that's something that we're already used to taking into account. So anyone who is put on a thiazide diuretic, obviously their electrolytes and their renal function needs to be assessed. But it's even more important for patients on chlorothalidone because it's twice as potent as hydrochlorothiazide. You know, that's probably the reason why we're seeing the increase in hypokalemia and hyponatremia and the other side effects. And so if someone's blood pressure does deem to um, have that stronger thiazide diuretic dose, absolutely vital that we monitor that very closely. I am starting someone on antihypertensive. Who are the types of patients when you're thinking about chlorothalidone versus hydrochlorothiazide? What will kind of tip you into picking one over the other? What would your thought process be? Sure, I think... I think that's a great question. So if you're seeing someone brand new into clinic and their blood pressure is not that high, but clearly you need to treat it, I think it's okay to go with something like hydrochlorothiazide because if that one component does not you know, treat their blood pressure well, then you're probably going to be adding on a second medication. And especially if they're young and they're not used to taking medications, if you can keep it to one tablet, then that is preferential. So going from hydrochlorothiazide monotherapy to lisinopril hydrochlorothiazide in one tablet, that would probably be ideal for that type of patient. However, as we're starting to see patients that are older or sicker or with cardiovascular disease, and traditional medications just aren't getting them to where they need to go, it is, I have seen personal success in hypertension clinic on separating out the, the hydrochlorothiazide from the regimen into a single tablet and then converting that from hydrochlorothiazide to chlorthalidone. 
and seeing improved blood pressure lowering in the, that, that patient population. However, again, it's so important for those sicker patients that you take great care of their electrolytes and their kidney function, and you bring them in routinely to check it because there is that increased risk. And so to me, that is really where it kind of, we kind of separate out chorthalidone for the younger patients who might have some issues with adherence and um, chorthalidone more for patients who need that extra blood pressure lowering or who might be sicker and benefit from the more potent dose. So Karen, we've talked a lot, a lot about um, chorthalidone, hydrochlorothiazide, and, and where it fits, but any final thoughts, any clinical pearls, what do you want listeners to walk away after listening? First, I want them to walk away knowing that a head-to-head trial is coming. So whatever they think today could change tomorrow. I think sometimes clinicians get really stuck in one mantra or the other, like chlorothaladone is definitely better, or I know it's not. And so really just being open to new information as it comes down the pike, even when something is in a guideline, it could change, you know, with new information. And, you know, with COVID-19 on all of our minds, I always say um, to clinicians, open your mind to evolution with more information because we certainly don't know everything now and we won't even know everything tomorrow or next year. And so just be sure you keep your mind open to new information and be okay with changing your recommendations as things go along. And this is a perfect example. When I first saw the headlines come across on my computer, I'm like, oh no, there can be no way because we've known this for such a long time that chlorothaladone is better. And then as, as I got into reading the study, I'm like, hey, Maybe it is a case that we can, that um, hydrochlorothiazide does have a role, especially for those patients with mild disease. And if it makes it easier for them to take, then that's actually a win. So that's what I would have people take away from this study. Well, thank you so much again, Karen, for taking time to join us on CardioScript. Awesome. I appreciate the invitation and I hope everyone um, enjoyed this information. On our next CardioScripts episode, Tracy will be interviewing Toby Trujillo talking about the Colcott trial. Thanks for tuning in to CardioScripts. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at CardioScripts and check out our website at CardioScripts.com. The views and opinions are those of the individuals on today's episode. The ACCP Cardiology PRN is not responsible for the presented content or its accuracy.